0: In psychology today, it's stated that the number one goal of modern parents is to teach their children to be independent. Now, 50 years ago, it was different than that. Parents, they wanted to teach their their kids to um, have good moral values. That was what was going on then. That's what you and I, adults, we were raised on then, but today... It seems like moral values, they're just deemed not nearly as important as assertiveness or self-reliance. And yet, every day, we see the fruit of their priorities. And frankly, I'm not impressed. Are you? No. You see, this is the independent generation here. Um They're just not big on submission. They're not big on respect for authority. In fact, there's not much respect at all for police, for teachers, you know, or for anyone with authority. Um, Rarely do we hear the words anymore, thank you, sir, I needed that. Or rarely do we hear the words, "Uh, I'm sorry, I'll change that. But too often we hear the defiant assertion of nobody tells me what to do. We hear that a whole lot. It's the spirit, it seems like the spirit of our age. Now, if you question that, obviously you haven't visited a classroom or you haven't had to um, reprimand an employee in the last few years. If you had, you would see what I'm, I'm talking about. Well, as you know, in our culture here, there's a growing resistance to any and all authority. We can see that. We see that every time we turn on the news. You know, those kids that scream and hollered, laying the floor to get their way, they're the ones out there that's burning buildings down today. Well, to switch the um, shift in focus here, in Exodus, the 20th chapter, in verse 12, God said, honor your father and mother. Now, this is the fifth commandment. This commandment is the kind of the shift in focus from what we were talking about, but I wanted to introduce, you know what's going on. You see the evidence of of a lot of homes where their kids did not honor their father or mother. Their kids did not have any respect whatsoever for authority. Now we've been on this series of the Ten Commandments, and the first four commandments, um, they are vertical. Like up and down. You see, it's emphasizing our relationship to God. And the remaining six, they're horizontal, running this way, focusing on our relationship with others. Now, commandment number five, the one we're on today, is the foundation for all relationships. This is how important this is. Because it's in the home that we first learn to respect God's authority and other people, you see, you see, God understand. He understood that parental authority was essential for our society, and that's why He said, "Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you." Now, remember, here God is speaking collectively. He's speaking collectively to the whole nation of Israel. Now, obviously, this is not a a promise to every child that if you obey your parents, you'll live to be 90. Because all of us, we know someone, we know some very compliant kids who died way too young. But this is either a general principle or it's a national promise. God said to Israel this, and I believe he said that to any nation, and I believe it applies to us. If you establish respect for authority in your homes, then this nation will be strong and it will endure. But if your kids do not learn to respect authority, the moral foundations of our nation will crumble and we will be driven from the land. You see, so respect for authority is essential and it begins in the home. Now God has established three spheres of authority. The state, the church, and the family. And within each sphere, God delegates his authority to his representatives. Now, even though the family is the smallest of these units, it remains the most important because this is where respect begins in the home. And the one who learns submission in the home knows how to respect the police and teachers and pastors and bosses and lawmakers. But in contrast, disrespect in the home is an uh, inevitable prelude to lawlessness and anarchy. You know, have you seen the results of that lately? I guarantee you you have. Well, in Deuteronomy 21, God kind of fleshed out the fifth commandment. Folks, to let you know how serious this is, Read this along with me. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of the town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a prolificate and a drunkard. Then all the men of of his town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now before anybody gets really hyper over the ultimate in child abuse here, I want to let you know that there's no record of this sentence being carried out. It may have been carried out. There's just no record of that. But I'll guarantee you it was used as a threat in many of the Israeli homes. Like, Benji, if you don't straighten up, we're going to go to the gate. And I'll guarantee you they knew what that meant because they had seen stonings before. They knew exactly what that meant. Well, regardless of whether this was carried out or not, the reason for such severity, I believe, is that one child's rebellion, it can affect a whole city. And we know that. It's like yeast. It spreads, you see. The evil must be purged. You see, rebellious acts always impact others. You know, a defiant five-year-old in a restaurant can ruin everyone's dinner in that restaurant, can't they? You've been there. Yeah, you know that. Um, It was printed in America today, the money which retailers spend on insurance and security amounts for 25% of the prices that we pay. Now think about that. How would it affect your life if people were just to be honest and everything was 25% less expensive? Think about that. You know, but everyone is affected by um, re- the rebellion of a few, you see. So teaching children to respect poor authority That's an absolute societal necessity. If we're going to make it as a country, we have to teach respect in the home. We have to teach respect for authority in the home. John Ruskin said, the history of the world is not the record of our wars, it's the history of our households. Man, that's a powerful statement. So we come to the question. How exactly do we as Christian parents teach respect for authority? How do we do that? Well, number one, we start early. We start early. Parents, understand from the moment that your children are born, your first responsibility is to teach them to be submissive to your authority. That is important. Our first goal is to raise submissive, not self-reliant kids. Children who ultimately will be like Jesus and say to God not my will but thine be done that's the kind of kids that we want to raise now as a father I'm called to represent God's authority in my kids and as fathers out there you are too you see my ultimate goal as a father and probably yours is too is that someday our children will get to spend eternity with us in heaven but folks, it will never, ever happen if, if they don't learn to submit to God. If they don't learn to submit to authority, it will not happen. Now, this issue, I believe, is so important that God expanded it in the New Testament. If you go over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses one through four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and you will enjoy a long life on earth. And fathers, don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training. Now, you want to circle that word training and instruction in the Lord. You see, training, it refers to the enforcement of our instruction by rewards and reproofs and if need be, punishment. It does. See, just like us, our children all have a sin nature, which causes them to be very self-centered, you know, and they want to be their own God. So a parent must train. it's the word. A parent must train a child in the way he should go. Now, I understand there are many people today that don't believe in a sin nature, So it seems very logical to them to just leave the kids alone. You know, they say, don't try to enforce your concept of God um, or your values or your standards of right and wrong on our children. They say you'll just stifle the, the natural development of their little personalities. I can tell you how my dad stifled my personality. And probably you can too. They say just let them grow up and go the way they please. But folks if you know God's Word, and I know these folks sitting right here, I know you do. If you know, if you know God's Word, then you know that all little children of Adam left to go their own way is going to go straight to hell. They have to have instruction, you see. Their rebellious nature will always lead them into great pain and suffering. So if you really love your kids the earlier that you can teach them that rebellion and sin always leads to pain and death, the better off they're going to be. That's why it's so important for our kids, young, starting really young, that they get a Christian education. One of the problems is, all too often, you know, we think it's cute when these little kids, when they're defiant. You know, we think it's cute, we just let it go by, we laugh about it sometimes, Or maybe we try to enforce behavioral conformity without dealing with the rebellious attitudes that our kids have. But then I want you to know something. Here's the way it works. You see, then the little personalities, they grow up. And you know what? Teenage defiance is not cute. You can't ignore it. Its consequences are far more devastating. It impacts more people. You see, one drunken teenager behind the wheel of a car can destroy lives. The innocent die and and the hearts of loved ones are are just broken because of this. How wide and how deep can go the devastation of one rebellious act? You see, friends, if a little child is allowed to defy his parents in the home, what chance does a teacher have in the classroom? You see, If a child sticks out his tongue at mom or dad, what chance do police have when they say, don't drink and drive? If a little child always gets their way by manipulating and screaming and pouting, what chance does a marriage partner have? You see, and ultimately, how will they respond to God when he says, no, that kind of sexual behavior will lead to a disease. Don't do that. How will they respond, you see? A youth minister one time asked a well-known preacher and father of four young men that became ministers. He asked this minister, would he come and speak to a parents group on the topic of dealing with teenage rebellion? And he said, no, it's really too late for them. But I'd be happy to come and address the topic with the parents of your two and three-year-olds. You know, there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth. Friends, when it comes to teaching respect for authority, we better start early. Start with these little guys right now that we see running around here. You know, parenthood is the toughest job there is. But when it is well done, it's the most rewarding, I can tell you. So let me encourage you by this. Hang in there. It's worth the struggle. So number one, establish respect for authority early. Number two, do not neglect proper discipline. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. You see, discipline, it means to teach and to enforce the teaching. And the Bible says good parents will demonstrate their love and establish their authority or right to teach with the rod of discipline. The verse says he who spares the rod. In other words, he who never spanks his child hates his child. Folks, if you disagree with that statement, don't write me a nasty note. Just go right to the source and argue with God about it because he's the one that said. Folks, I believe the issue, the real issue here is one of Bible authority. Either you believe in the biblical prescriptions or you don't. Either you believe in the Bible or you don't. As a parent, either you entrust your child to God following his way or you choose to follow a way that just seems right to every man and it ends in death according to Proverbs 14. In Proverbs 22 and verse 15, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. I can tell you by experience that works. I know. Here's the bottom line question though, folks. Do you believe God's word? You know, God is the one who created us. He knows our makeup and he knows what works. And he knows what doesn't work. Now, to teach a child to respect authority, they must learn early in life that sin has painful consequences. It always has and it always will. And some people, by constantly just threatening their children but never following through, in reality, what they're teaching them is, hey, sometimes I can get by with sin. Or wrestling with them for 30 minutes to make them sit and time out for two minutes you know folks we need to get a balance to this when kids when that happens they say man I'm getting more attention by being bad than I am good there needs to be a balance to this you know there is a place for time out and there is a time for spanking Dr. James Dobson says spanking should be rare but memorable you know now all kids are different our kids were different you know There was a time when my son was in in a stage in his life where honestly, it was a rare day that he didn't have a memorable experience. On the other hand, I can count probably on both hands the times that I had to spank Dawn. She was just very compliant. Kids are very, very, very different. Now understand this. I'm not an advocate of beating anyone or abusing anyone, and the Bible is adamant you know, about child abuse. Jesus said in Matthew 18, in verse 6, it would be better for one who hurts your child or leads a child astray to have a millstone hung around his neck and be cast into the depths of the sea. But friend, the Bible also teaches that if we love our children, we will on occasionally spike them. It's going to happen. You know, hard enough to hurt, but never hard enough to damage. There is a big difference between child abuse and discipline. And I think you're smart enough to understand that, but you can mark my words. Not spanking kids will produce its own devastating effect in our society. And we see examples of that every day when we turn on the news. Now I do believe that when a child gets older, discipline changes, but it doesn't stop. It just takes on a different form. And again, authority established early is much easier to maintain. But as a child grows, number three, we continue to teach respect for authority by gradually giving children progressive freedom. We give them progressive freedom. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I love the Phillips translation on this. It says, don't goad them into resentment. I like that. You see, if we're too stern, if we overcorrect, You know, we can wound our kids. You know, they'll become resentful and just completely out of control. As children get older, they must experience some progressive freedom. Now, as parents, you and I need to be smart enough to to think this through and understand what we're doing. You know, if we give too much freedom too fast, they're going to get in trouble because they can't handle it. You know, if they can date at 12 and they can stay out till midnight at 13, what in the world are they going to do at 16? You see, now I know that teens will always push back against whatever rules we give because that's their calling and they're good at it. So our rule should be to protect them in the beginning and become increasingly permissive as they demonstrate maturity. I know when I was growing up and I was starting to drive and date, I had to have my date home by 10 o'clock. You know, and people around me, my buddies, it was always midnight, but I had to do it at 10 o'clock. But you know what? My dad was checking on my maturity, and when I showed that I could handle that responsibility, he moved it up. I didn't have to have my date home till 11 o'clock. You see, as I grew and as I matured, he gave me more and more freedom when I showed that I could handle that responsibility. Now, I know in doing that as a parent, I know that, that this process of gradually letting go is really tough for some parents. You know, we want to be involved in our kids' life. We worry about them. We have knowledge and we have resources to help them. But a wise parent will know when parenting is over and they will initiate a move to an adult adult relationship. And that's hard to do. It's hard for us to let go as parents. Someone said a parent's job is to give their children roots that they may grow and wings that they could fly. So here's our plan, folks. We establish authority early through proper discipline and then we progressively give it away as our kids mature. Folks, that's the biblical way. That's the way we should do it. Number two, How can all of us truly honor our parents? How can all of us truly honor our parents? Well, children, junior church age, younger, whatever, children honor their parents first by willful obedience. You got that, kids? Willful obedience. Ephesians 6, 1. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. If you're a child, Preteen, you know, and mom and dad tell you to do something as long as you live under the authority of their home, you are to obey them willingly and immediately. Philippians, the second chapter and verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. So when mom says, I want you to turn off the TV and do your homework, don't just sit there and stare at the TV until she nags at you. Um, but you turn off that TV and you get up immediately and you do your homework pleasantly. Kids, that's what we're supposed to do. When dad walks into you on Saturday morning and says, hey, I want you to get out of bed and cut the grass, you don't just lie there and bury your head in the pillow. You don't do that. You say, dad, I was just lying here hoping you'd have something for me to do today. And then you bound out of bed and you mow the grass the way it's supposed to be now some of the kids you know you're thinking right if I did that I'd be a slave I'd have to do everything no the truth is they'd both have a heart attack and you'd be completely free <laughs> Colossians the third chapter verse 20 children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord Christian kids are to follow the example that Jesus set, and Woody talked about this this, this morning In Luke, the second chapter, verse 51, Jesus went down to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and he was obedient to them. You see, a young child honors his parents first by willful obedience. Guys, that's what we're supposed to do. You see, secondly, as children grow older, they should also begin to honor their parents by expressing appreciation. Did you know, hey kids, look at me here a minute. Did you know that it costs parents today an average of $250,000 to raise one child? That's the number that was set on it. Have you ever really considered the sacrifice and the time and the energy and the prayer and the anxiety your parents suffer for you? Have you ever thought about that? Do you think it's fun to stay up all night when you're sick or to taxi you to all of the different activities that you're involved in or to do your homework or to sit in the stands and watch you strike out? Have you ever looked at your dad's gray hair or the little wrinkles under your mama's eyes and said, hey, I'm at least partly responsible for some of that? Have you ever thought about that? Kids, hear this. It is a mark of maturity when you begin to honor your parents by saying, great meal, Mom. Thanks for doing my laundry again. I sure appreciate being allowed to use the car, Dad. Thanks for coming to my game. You see, it's a mark of maturity when we start to recognize those things that our parents have done force thirdly now as we grow and we move into adulthood we're able to still honor our parents and we best do that by frequent communication frequent communication now this is pretty hard to do sometimes especially for those of you that now you're out of college you're married or you feel like you're you feel like your parents still suddenly want to manipulate you Because you know, deep down, according to the Bible, when we get married, we're to cut those apron strings. You know, you're to leave your father and mother and cleave to your spouse. So I think the version we're using this morning is to be united with his wife. You know, we, we understand that. But maybe it's partly your fault that this hasn't happened. Maybe you really haven't left home yet financially or emotionally. But if you have taken on all the responsibilities of adulthood, sometimes there needs to be a little notice on the part of the child to the adult, to the parent. With love and respect, you may say, Mom, Dad, it's time for us to have an adult-to-adult relationship. It's hard to do, but it can happen, and you can do that. Even if your parents have been wise and been gracious enough to let you go, there's still sometimes this temptation to forget about them while we're busy in school or while we're trying to establish our own homes and our marriages and our careers. It's easy to forget about them. But to honor our parents, we need to stay in touch. We have to make time to write letters or to make calls or visits and those kind of things. We need to share with them some details about what's going on in our lives and occasionally ask them for advice. I think one of the greatest blessings of life is making this successful transition in our relationship with our parents. You know, we then need to teach our children to respect their grandparents. You know, I think it's important to take those trips down memory lane with our parents right in front of our kids. I think that's important. Hey dad, remember the time you almost got arrested for scalping tickets? You know, and let him tell that story. Or, hey dad, remember the time during buck season you were caught with six deer in the back of your truck by yourself and the officer asked you how many were bucks and you said they all were but six. Remember that time? Or maybe you can get your mom talking and say, Mom, remember when the cat tipped over the Christmas tree and all the mayhem that took place there? You see, when all those old stories are retold and we laugh about them, our kids will receive their family legacy and our parents will feel good as they realize it was all worthwhile. It was all important, you see. Then number four, finally, Christians are to honor their um, parents by caring for them in their frailty. Now, America's greatest secret shame is that every year more than 8 million parents are abused by their children. Not many other statistics. So loudly announces the sobering truth that this is no longer a Christian nation. But, friends, you and I are to be Christians. Jesus honored his mother even in the midst of his suffering. On the cross, you know, in John 18, he cried out, John, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. You see, Jesus was concerned that his mother would have proper care when he was gone. He was concerned about that. Well, God has given us the responsibility to provide for our parents. In their old age, when they become frail, when they become incapacitated or senile. You know, at one time in their lives, they bathed, they fed, they changed you, and they provided for you. But gradually, that relationship of care reverses. For you right now, it might mean cutting the grass or taking them some meals. It might mean sacrificing to, sacrificing to meet some financial need. It might mean hiring a housekeeper or a nurse. It might mean bringing them to your home for a while. It may mean putting them in the best nursing home you can find and then following up regularly with visits. Every situation is different. I heard of a Christian man who every day at 6 a.m., he stopped at the nursing home before work. And every day he brought his mother fresh fruit. And he bathed her, he read to her from the Bible, he prayed with her, and he sang with her her favorite hymns. Now, he could have waited until 11 o'clock because that was the scheduled time for her bath. And he knew that the nurses would do it and he also knew that there was a church service there every Sunday in the nursing home but when his mother died he knew that he had done all he could in her final moments he honored her and in honoring her he honored Jesus Christ you see friends we must never ever let the needs of our parents be in infringement on our freedom whether we should see them as a special opportunity to repay them for all the sacrifice that they made for us what a tragedy it must be to lose your mate what a tragedy it must be to lose your health what a tragedy it must be to lose your home what a tragedy it must be to Alone face the unknown of what will death be like. And then on top of that, to wonder where your, why your children don't care. Maybe your parents are deceased. The way you can best honor them is by still being faithful to God. Proverbs 10th chapter and verse 1 As a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. Folks, nothing will disgrace the memory of your parents more than neglecting the God they wanted you to honor. Nothing brings greater honor to the Christian parents than their children honor God's authority in their lives. The day will come when in a new body, in a keen mind, we'll renew with our parents a perfect relationship. You see, the best really is yet to come if we follow God's instructions. You see, if we follow God's instructions. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful for this time together. We're grateful for your word and we're grateful for guidelines to live by. We're grateful that we can look back and see, oh, that's why I've messed up. That's why it's not going so well for me. Here's what I need to do. Thank you for your instructions, Lord. Father, we just pray that you would help us to dig into your word even deeper because we all want to see you one day. We we want our kids to see you one day as well. We want to be there together. Father, we love you. We ask that you forgive us where we do wrong. In Jesus' name, amen. Music